people just went after Chad Herb and rocked him with a right hand. Now they get together, and Leibold continues to rack up the majors here. Now Leibold with the right hand puts Herb down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leibold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen. I played major junior and professional hockey. Throughout my teenage years on the outside, everything looked perfect. When you're hot, you're hot. Freddie Leobold with his fourth goal of the game. And the Kelowna Rockets having a whole lot of fun tonight. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody. I submerged myself into hockey that worked for a while until it didn't. Oxycontin led me to heroin. Heroin led me to fentanyl and everything else. Homeless on the streets of Hastings in Vancouver. Over three years of my life I've spent behind bars. But now I'm clean fighting to get my life back. Everything I do is for the memory of Matthew Wazinski and all of our fallen brothers and sisters in the hockey community. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. I lost everything and almost my life. My name's Brady Leibold and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. All right, guys, what's going on? Looks like the internet's a little bit slow. Welcome back to another edition. Hockey to hell and back, the road to recovery. It's Brady Leibold coming at you guys live from Matt Thompson's basement in Mooresburg, Ontario. That's right, the temporary Matthew Lazinski Memorial Studio. Don't have much of a studio. We're just in his uh, spare room in the basement, our little chill spot, but... Uh, we're making a lot of stuff happen between here and the one-stop skate shop and, and everything else we have going on, and uh, it's very exciting. So thank you, guys. I hope you're all having a great weekend. If you're watching live, I appreciate it if you're listening, uh, where I'm still getting most of my my downloads and uh, listenership through audio, so I really appreciate it. Uh, people driving to work or at work or whatever, wherever you're listening. Um, thank you guys. I seriously, it, it blows me away all the time uh, when I drop a new episode and I see all the downloads come in and it's like, man, like could have never dreamed this up sitting in jail just over a year ago. So thank you guys. Your support is what keeps me going. Uh, and of course, my family, I want to give a very special shout out to Hadley Grace. It's her fourth birthday today. Happy birthday to Hadley. I wish I was there. They went to the Santa Claus parade today down in Muskoka. Um, but just with everything going on, um, it's sort of one of these things that I'm trying to find us a place to live here in Morrisburg. And, you know, there's a lot of birthdays to be had. And uh, the sooner I'm, you know, get us a place and keep doing what I'm doing, working and, and just you know, I just have to keep doing it and it sucks. Like, I just want them to be here so bad and I can't find a house. It's taking me way longer. So if anyone's in the South Dundas area or you know anybody and you have a house for rent, 
I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Please. Uh, we just had Veda. She's just two months old. I have, you know, haven't seen her in a month either. It's, it's extremely difficult, but I know I'm doing the right things. Um, and like I said to Taylor, it's sort of like the old days when the guys had to go away and, and then send for their families. And I'm just so far behind because of my addiction uh, and the life that I lived through my 20s that I'm kind of in overdrive. And I, it's 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 hard. There's a lot of sacrifices, but there's so many great things to, to come and that have already happened. And I'm just so grateful to be alive and have this opportunity. Uh, before we get into the episode, though, I want to say... Thank you to everyone who supported the Puck Support Foundation. Holy cow. Can't even keep up with the emails. We're going to have the store available, which is going to make it a lot easier come January. I'm hoping for earlier, but I've learned to just add a little bit of extra time because it's it's a lot and I need help. So if anyone listening or watching, if you want to get involved uh, and you want to help out, The door is wide open. There's so many opportunities. Uh, We're just really starting to get things going. If anyone's struggling too, I want to say, you can reach out to Sandra Murray, Sandra at PockSupport.com. She is a licensed professional um, and she is an unbelievable lady. uh, And I'm proud to say she's probably most likely going to be heading Puck Support USA, which is awesome. If you could see my sweatshirt, uh, puck support, hashtag, end the stigma in red mental health. End the stigma. It's just a prototype. If you like it, let me know. Um, every puck support item that's going to be coming through, if you lift up right here, it's going to have a name of somebody we've lost. So this one, so this was the outline. So it doesn't look very good because this one I just threw on, but this one's in memory of Matthew Lazinski because I used the original inside piece. You can see this is just the outline. I was like, hey, I could probably just throw that on there too. So you lift up the shirt and there'll be uh, there'll be a guy or girl that we've lost from the hockey community, um, which I think is pretty special. So you know, it's a it's a great cause, and this is a great way to get our brand and the awareness out there because it's it's about talking about it and saying, hey, these things happen, real life issues happen, and they certainly happen in the hockey world. And uh, you know, we're a hockey family. That's the way that I've seen it. <laughs> Man, this last seven months since I started the podcast, holy shit, hockey family up. Let's go. People I don't even know, right? And that's what hockey does. So I feel there's a big hole there and a lot of people do. Um, And it's going to take a lot more than just the puck support um, foundation, the puck support. It's going to take several groups. So, you know, if there's anybody out there that has different charities or different things like this, let's all work together. Um, Anybody has a podcast or anything like I work with everybody. Shout outs to my boy, Ryan Phillips. Uh, he has his own podcast and I, you know, me and him talk all the time. We're, we're actually, I didn't want to say anything, but we're talking about possibly launching our th- a thing together, which is exciting because him and I together are like, holy shit, hold on to your seats, right? We both have uh, quite the journey um, and uh, always, always lots of fun to talk to him. So I think that could be could be an idea for for the new year not that i need any more things on the go but uh a podcast is really just coming on and and talking and it's so therapeutic so to me it's like it's such a positive right 
Um, and in the and uh, maybe more importantly, we can help some more people. If we can help one person, then this has all been worth it. And uh, I'm I'm getting messages every day from people uh, that are extremely touching, and I don't have time to share them all. Uh, it's something that I want to start to include in the podcast. Um, just trying to figure out the best way to do it. But I do want to share one story um, before I give my shout out to Team Issue Limited here. So my dad, right? He was on episode 50 and 51 and everybody knows about our relationship, how it was, wasn't very good, right? I mean, it was really good and then it wasn't very good this past 12 years. Uh, I took advantage of him. Uh, I stressed him out. Um, just about killed him a couple of times. And um, I wasn't sure if we were ever going to be able to develop a relationship again. And I mean, there's still a long ways to go. I haven't seen much of him because I'm in Ontario and he's in BC, but we talk almost every single day. Um, I'm probably going to cry. I'm such a crier, man. I don't know what my deal is. I've always been this way. Um, I don't want to butcher it. I should have had this pulled up, but to me, this was pretty cool. So I'll take the extra second to get it right. The text from my dad. Um, there it is right there. He said, so I'm in home since pit meadows with a mask on guy runs up to me, says hockey to heroin right on and runs out the store. My dad says, older guy goes weird, but I guess you're getting around. So um, there was a time when people would see my dad in the store and be like, hey, do you know what Brady's done? Or just on him about like all the horrible shit that I was doing. My dad was like walking around our hometown with his head down, scared to go anywhere. And that's pretty cool. So I don't know. Just makes me just want to keep going even more. So anyways, I'm going to just stop before I start crying anymore. Um, but before we bring in my guest, you know, this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check it out. Teamissued.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. I'm working on my toe drags in the one-stop skate shop when there's no customers in there. You better look out. Better look out. I'm coming. I'm making my comeback with the Maxwell Mustangs, but I'm getting my hat back on backwards. So let's support Team Issued. Guys, new shipment coming in. It was supposed to be here three days ago, but I guess uh, Canada Post is a little backed up. So hopefully Monday, One Stop Skate Shop will have a new stock of Team Issued Limited for anyone in the area. Come on down and see us. That's it for the intro. Uh, guys, you know how this goes. We'll see. Uh, this one about five minutes or so. I'm going to be honest. I don't know too much about David Gregory Ling, other than the fact he was born January 9th, 1975. And of course, is a renowned Canadian professional ice hockey forward, as says his Wikipedia page. 
Ling is originally from PEI, one of the very few professional hockey players that came from that area, especially around his time. He didn't have many to draw from, certainly no inspiration coming from PEI as far as professional hockey players, but he was a kid with a dream. All the way from PEI, he moved into the Ontario Hockey League with the Kingston Frontenacs. If you go watch the Frontenacs play, you'll notice his jersey hanging in the rafters. They retired his number. That's how good he was. In 1992-93, he was the OHL's most penalized player in the playoffs. And again in 93-94 throughout the regular season. Things turned around in 94-95. He was an OHL first-team All-Star. He scored the most goals in the OHL that year with 61. He was recognized as the most outstanding player in the OHL and was also the top-scoring right winger. He won the Jim Mahon Trophy, the same as my friend DMAC. That same year, he was a CHL first-team All-Star and the CHL Player of the Year. Ling was drafted by the Quebec Nordiques in the seventh round, 179th overall in the 1993 NHL entry draft. He endured one of the longest pro careers of any of my guests. And in fact, he's still playing at age 45. His elite prospects page shows that he played senior men's last year in Hamilton. And he didn't just play, he's still tearing it up. He played parts of 10 seasons in one of the hardest leagues to play in, in my opinion, the American Hockey League. He played 536 games, recorded 158 goals, 313 assists for 471 points, and recorded a whopping 1,357 penalty minutes. He played another four years in the old IHL, 255 games, 88 goals, 124 assists, 212 points, 554 penalty minutes he could score and he could mix it up he did make the nhl he played 93 games over five seasons recording four goals and four assists for eight points he also spent time overseas in russia italy and england in 2012 2013 he was recognized as an eihl first team all-star and forward of the year he recorded the most points that year with 89 and was the player of the year and their team won the cup champion and the playoff championship. He got the EIHL Grand Slam. He's still got lots of gas in the tank. Maybe he wants to come play for the Maxwell Mustangs. All right, let's bring him in. Former NHLer, David Ling. Hey, Brady. Linger, what's going on, buddy? Six stash. Right. Hey, listen. So before uh, before we get into it, I want to address this issue right now. So I saw a post. I think it was November thirtieth. I can't. I want. I wish I could give credit where credit is due because I don't like to take things that aren't mine or take ideas. What's up, Matt? And uh, so I saw this post. It said, you know, like mental health, men's issues, mental health and issues don't end on November thirtieth, right? So. I'm going to keep the stash for the whole year till next November. I might trim it up. Plus Taylor told me, my girlfriend told me I should keep it. So let's just address that. So you're going to people watching, you're get, you better get used to the stash because it's staying um, in honor of men's mental health and all of that for the entire year, not just November. 
So, but anyways, I want to say thanks uh, for taking the time uh, out of your day on a Sunday, especially because I know you're probably working hard all the time. It's probably your day off. Sorry to bug you, but um, let's talk a little bit about where your love from hockey started. Because I love, I love to hear uh, you're, you know, I'm a West Coast guy. You're way out there. PEI, tell us a little bit about that, Linger. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, you know, PEI. There's not much to do in the in the winters, and being from in Canada, it's uh, hockey's the the end all and be all. And you know, we started. I have an older brother, so I even probably started a little earlier than 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 most kids, and you know, tagging along his foot foot footsteps. But like. Uh, like you said in the intro, there wasn't a lot of NHL players from from PEI. There, I, I do wear seventeen because of Gerard Turcolant, who who ended up coaching me, and we we became pretty good friends. At now, so it's there. There was a couple, and and there was a couple to to look forward to, but it it, it isn't it isn't like it is today. There's there was no major junior, and there is a there's a major junior team here now that are that is doing well, and the kids get to see and and get to their dreams are a little bit closer than than mine just watching it on TV. Well, no doubt. And I'm sure a lot of those kids uh, looked up to you. I can only imagine, uh, you know what I mean? You would have really uh, helped those kids, I'm sure, going back in the in the summer times, like I'm sure you did. Uh, where are you living now, Linger? I'm in uh, I'm in Oakville, Ontario now. And, uh, you know, I'm 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 working in the financial industry and I'm licensed in PEI and in, in, in Ontario. So I'm back and forth all the time. OK, you're in Oakville. So. Another thing I was going to talk about at the end, but I'll say it now. I'm going to be down in Oakville uh, on the 14th, I believe, back at Rob McDougall's house because I'm getting my teeth done. So I'm um, coming down to Oakville. You can borrow mine. This. Yeah. Pardon me? You can borrow my teeth. <laughs> Yours come out too. I, see, I saw the picture, actually. I love that picture of you. Um, but so I need to know a little bit about how you ended up in the O. Like, how'd you end up in the Ontario Hockey League uh, coming from PEI? So back in uh, back before there was a major junior team, we were able to uh, to pick which which league we wanted to play in, and uh, so we had to de- declare before any of the draft. There was a date where you, you couldn't just pick where the best best position where you went. You had to pick before anything happened. So, you know, the West was was too far for me. I, I felt, and I didn't want to play in the Quebec League. And uh, you know, you you watch at that time. I was watching Eric Lindros and 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 all those guys come out of the OHL and. I thought it was uh, a game that that fit my style. My brother went, you know, he ended up going to Notre Dame in, in Wilcox and then Notre Dame in in, in Indiana at NCAA. But he wanted to do that way. And I felt that my I wanted to play in the NHL. And the only way that, to do that was I was a smaller guy back in the 90s. And you had to prove that that you were uh, you were bigger in, in, in than just being 5'9". And I knew I had to go and, and fight and, and I, I picked the OHL and, you know, I don't, I don't regret it. I went to St. Mike's the year before and just to, just to show, um, just to show the scouts that I, you know, I was, I was ready to move and I didn't stay the whole year, but I, I ended up going for a couple months playing with St. Michael's. What was the competition like coming out of PEI? Because I've heard you talk about it briefly before. And um, obviously you would have been extremely dominant coming out of PEI in your area. It's it's no question. You don't have to be humble and modest about it. Like what was the competition level like? And where was your mind at when you had to leave your small town or your small area and then go test yourself against some of these guys from the big cities that are maybe on these clubs where they're picking guys from all over and you you maybe you're like were you questioning your ability or were you going in there and you're like hey i don't care i'm going and, and this is the way it is 
Yeah, you know, there was definitely second guessing, but the uh, and the talent there was some good talent in the in the Maritimes at around that time. It's just the the depth of the players wasn't there. There was one yeah. or two on each team, and just not. 16 17 18 like they there is in Ontario and or and out west so there was some some talent and and but I did there was second guessing because you the unknown in anything the unknown in in hockey the unknown in life scares people and and it and it did scare me and I I, I was confident that you know that I would fit in I didn't know how how good I could be and until you know you get in and you you, you feel comfortable and you fit in and and you, and you start to realize that you know that the dream is closer than it was back in PEI. Yeah, well absolutely and then you move from from somewhere like PEI which I've never been to and is definitely on my bucket list because I've only seen pictures and watched videos and heard people talk about it. Um it it just looks so beautiful and you know being on the west coast my whole life the ocean I just like to see that side, right? And uh but I it's kind of interesting. I was thinking Linger like I went from you know, Port Coquitlam, which is essentially Vancouver, to Swift Current at 16 to play in the Western Hockey League. And that was a culture shock. So you kind of had it the other way where you went from, a, you know, PEI all of a sudden to St. Mike's uh, at 15, were you? You went, what was that? Like, was, was that by yourself or with your parents? Um, do you remember much of how you handled that uh, back then? And did you have any uh, issues you know, with homesickness or anything like that. And for anybody listening, um, what would be your suggestion to some of these kids that that have to make that decision to move away from home at a young age to chase their dream? Yeah, you know, it was, I, I, I did, the first year I did, I, I lived with a, a family, a cousin and and the family and, and, and that made it a little bit easier. But I was in, in Toronto and coming from PEI where there's 150,000 people in the whole province to to Toronto. We all know how big Toronto is. And it was it was, you know, I only lasted two months. There was, I was homesick. I, you know, it, it was, it was, I was going to an all boys school. It was, I was in Toronto. It was, it was a difficult time and and I didn't last the whole, the whole year. And, and when I did, I still wanted to play in the OHL and I still didn't think it was uh, uh, a deterrent not to do it. And and I ended up getting, you know, really good billets in, in Kingston that made it a lot easier. And, you know, the, the dad passed away and, and, and the, the billet mom is still alive that I'm still really good friends with. So it's, it's, it, it was, it helped me a lot with the, the, the billet family because there are horror stories with billets, but I didn't have one of those. Yeah, no. And I was very fortunate too with, with the billets that I had. And, you know, it's something, and I've talked about this multiple times on the podcast, but still ne not nearly enough because it's, you know, it's kind of a thankless job. You know, the people, these billets, sure. Do they get compensated by the teams? Yeah, but not, I'll tell you right now, I saw the check one time sitting on the, the counter for $300 that they were getting a month for having me there in Swift Current. That's the going rate, I guess, in the Western League back then. And I'll tell you what, I was eating way more than $300 worth of food. I was bringing six teammates home every morning and cooking like two dozen eggs every morning you know what I mean and yeah it's 18 years old you don't even think about you know the cost of stuff and, and all of that and and so the billets they sacrifice a lot right and you mentioned the horror stories and you know it's something that I'm I feel very lucky that I had had great billets as well and those are some of the best relationships and I still too talk to billets as well but uh what about advice for kids that if they're moving away from home and if they're stuck in a rut and they're like, Hey, maybe 
maybe like I'm missing home so much I want to quit or I'm missing my girlfriend back home so much I want to quit. What At what point in time or, or what direction do you point a kid? What advice do you give them? Yeah, you know, I I, I got to play in three different decades and, and the, the later I played, the more I realized that the culture had ch- is changing, has changed. And, you know, we went away at 16, 17 and, and the drinking was drinking was around the party and was there. You were the, you were the, the cat's ass in the town and, 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 yeah. and, and you thought you were, and, and you, you know, it was, it was easy to get in trouble. It was easy to fall into to ruts and, you know, you, you start drinking and, and, and the depression comes in and, and you're homesick. But I, I was, I was, I got to see how the kids are doing now and, you know, they're playing video games and the culture's changed. Drinking's not there. So, so at least that part has changed. The homesickness is uh, I'm sure still there. And I think that, uh, you know, shows like yours and, and shows like and, and and different things that are allowing it used to be hockey was the tough guy. No, we don't we don't make our feelings known to the team, to our parents. We're, we're tough. We're doing it. We're going to fulfill our dream. And I think the avenues there now, even within the teams, there's team there's team psychologists that you can go talk to. And your parents are more open now. They you know, your 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 parents aren't, you know, always that they're they're there to listen to so it's it there's a lot more avenues for the kids now but i think that you know i have two two boys that that are very more open to their emotions than i was so it's i think the culture in not only hockey but in in the world is changing and and i definitely agree with you and certainly that's for the better and you know i question you know i've questioned it myself about how much you know Yes, the culture has changed, but how much is it going to affect a player's ice time if he is, you know, the coach notices that he's spending more time with a sports psychologist or, you know, is is open about some of the things he's dealing with? Uh, are we there where the stigma is ended uh, so that, you know, then all of a sudden if he has a bad game, it's like, oh, well, you must be dealing with something back home or in, cause I'll tell you what, I'm not going to say what coach, but I went through stuff. I was going through a lot of stuff and it's my fault. Cause I wasn't honest, but I was a young kid. I was never completely honest with what was going on, but the coach would be like, oh, blaming this and blaming that. And it was more so after I went and spoke to the psychologist and it came out that I was going through some stuff maybe things have changed, but where are we at in your opinion with that in the dressing room? If you were a coach today? Yeah, I think that uh, some of the older coaches with the, with the old mentality are still around and, and still I'm sure would take some bias. They'd be lying if they said they, they didn't in, in some way. We all know that there's a pecking order on every team, whether it's through ability or through uh, personality, the, the coach likes some players better than others. And, and, you know, as a team, you, even as a teammate, I didn't like every player on my team. I probably liked five or six and probably hung out with five or six. And, but when you get to the rink, you, you, you like everyone and, and you, and you make do. But so I think that you're right that you might get it, but I think that the kids now realize that, you know, it's life's more important than hockey. I think that they, the, the, the culture of hockey being the end all be all, yeah, they all want to play in the NHL and the dream is, but I think that, the culture in in the world today is 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 less one dimension in hockey where the, the kids are like boy you know that hockey's such an expensive sport that they're coming from a lot of money usually anyway so that that they're going to be fine outside they think in the in their brain so it's like what do i need what do i need the coach's grief for if you, you keep yelling at me 
That's a, it's good. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. That's a really really great point. Um, I want to kind of move into the pro stuff. We can touch on on some of the junior issues maybe later. Um, but you moving into into your pro career, coming off some incredible numbers coming out of the Ontario Hockey League. You know, sixty plus goals. Uh, you know, CHL Player of the Year. Um, back then. You know, I noticed, you know, you got drafted in, in the seventh round. Um, if you're 6-1, you're probably going first overall uh, with those numbers. You know what I mean? Uh, now, and breaking into the NHL, sorry about the dogs, but uh, breaking into the NHL, did you feel like it was a, like, you know, you had a little bit more to prove being that smaller guy? Um, and the next question, David, is, is being drafted in those later rounds, um, did you feel like maybe you didn't get as, as much of a shot as, say, someone drafted in the first round? And then you look at your numbers and you're like, I'm the CHL player of the year. So, you know, and I just played against this guy all year and I had, you know, this many more. So is that hard to deal with? Because I think, you know, it's been a common theme. And the reason why I asked before you answer is because I've, I've spoken to a lot of guys that have had you know, unbelievable junior careers, um, unbelievable minor pro careers, but it was a really hard to, to stick in the NHL. So how do you, how do you fight through that early on in your career? Yeah. I, I you know, it, it, I was kind of ignorant to it all. I, you know, I was coming from, from PEI, you know, I wasn't the, I didn't have it in my, in my head all, all the time and on how it worked. And, you know, you listen to your agent. Yeah. You, you went in the seventh round, but you keep going, you, you got to keep going. So, you know, I, all I wanted to do was play hockey. All I wanted to do, you know, I, you know, I American league, I knew I didn't go into my first camp thinking I'm going to play in the NHL like some guys do. And so I, I kind of accepted that, you know, the first couple of years I was going to play in the American league, I was going to have to, I had to prove myself growing up. I had to prove myself in the OHL. I had to prove myself in the, the American league. I had to prove myself in the NHL. So it, I always had to prove myself. And I think that it, it, it made me a better player because I, I wasn't able to take nights off, even though, it, it may have looked like I did, but you know, it, so it, I couldn't take anything for granted cause I always had to, to work for the next thing. And, and it, the getting drafted late didn't piss me off as much as, you know, you're playing with a guy and, and you watch him go up and down and he's getting his NHL break and, and you know, you're a better player than he is. And, 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 it, and it, and it happens in every league. It happens in the East coast league and the American league. And, and, and until you get older and realize that there's politics involved that, you don't have control of and it, it could be that the agent of that guy has the big star on the on the nhl team and they're, and they're doing him doing them a favor like it goes into all that stuff so that's that that was more that pissed me off it's watching a, a line mate or a guy farther down the lineup going up and down and, and getting an opportunity in nhl and i'm not getting it and that 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 pissed me off more i think in the in the now and not looking at the at the draft and I didn't I didn't expect to go in the in the draft high because I'm short or I didn't expect to make the NHL early because I'm I was a late round pick and I had to prove myself and I was happy to prove myself I I enjoyed playing I enjoyed f fighting to prove that that I that I wanted it and you know that those are the things that that I enjoyed and and I probably should have looked at it differently maybe and 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 looked at it that I should have been in the NHL at, at an earlier age and, and and made more of a a push but you know, I'm ignorant and, and didn't know. 
Well, and that's the thing. And that's another thing that I, I try to talk about it a little bit too. And and there's a lot of people out there, uh, different coaches and, and empowering just people, just people empowering people. And I think that's a, a great point. And it's all about attitude. And when you, you know, I mentioned I was very much the same linger, like going into, I remember going into Norfolk and, and the American League after Tampa's camp there. And I'm like, you know, I'm in, probably just go to the East Coast this year. I'm not really ready for the American League. And I was just like waiting to go to the East Coast. You know what I mean? Instead of seizing that opportunity, instead of realizing that, hey, listen, there's 30 or 40 scouts at this training camp, every practice, like personnel from that team. And you never know who's watching. And next year, maybe that guy that works for that team is now on another team and and we'll give you an opportunity because he liked what you did but then the other guy didn't and so then you got sent down you know what i mean all it takes is one guy to like you like you said and and so i think that's something that's really missed at least it was with me and it sounds like was with you is really teaching kids how to seize their opportunity even when they don't see it as their opportunity you know what i mean yeah, no, totally. Yeah, no, like, and, and if you would have asked me back when I was 20 and, and said, you're playing the American League, and I would have said, you know what, I'm playing in the second best league in the world. I'm loving it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm and should have my, should have my attitude been, you know what, I'm pissed off. I want to be in the NHL. Maybe, but I didn't at that time. I was, lo- I loved playing and, you know, I was in the second best league in the world and right. I was close and I, I didn't know how close I was, but I was close to playing in the NHL and, and, and that's what kept me, kept me going. Yeah. And well, I mean, this is the thing. And I mentioned in the intro, like the American League, I only played four games. My career got derailed like shortly after I played those games. And I just never really got back into hockey. And it's unfortunate. But I was there through enough preseason and watching up games because I was hurt there for a while. And holy shit, that's a tough league. And this was back, I'm talking 2008. So you go back when you were playing. And it's about 50 times tougher and harder to play in. How did you endure playing through that league for all those years, all those games with every single guy, every single night trying to tear your head off, trying to get to the NHL? Like to me, that is the hardest league to play in because every guy is fighting for their chance on every, every given night. You know what? I, I, I look back now and I'm like, why weren't you scared? Like I, I enjoyed being the most hated guy in the ice. I enjoyed fighting the big guy. I, you know, I didn't enjoy getting beat up, but I must not have hated it because I did it the next night and got beat up again the next night. So, so it was just, I, I loved it. I was young and dumb and, 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 you know, it was part of, part of, part of who I was that I just, I loved playing. I loved entertaining, I guess the, the crowd, the fans, whatever it was, you know, you, you like being out there and, 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 and giving people something to, to cheer about. And I, I look when I was about 30, 35, 34, 35, I became, I did, I ended up getting scared. Like I was on the ice and, and it was the first time that I really was like, you know, I know I have to fight, but do I really want to fight or, you know, I don't want to fight anymore before it was like, like giving an animal some meat, you know, as I was hungry, I wanted to go. And I, and I had no fear. I didn't think of what could happen. And then 34, 35, you start realizing that you could get knocked out and in front of everyone and, and it could be embarrassing. So I think it was young and dumb and, 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 and that's what kept me, kept me going. You know, it was in the nineties, it was a big game. There was six foot five D on the whole, the whole D D corpse on every team was six, five, six, six. And, 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 and wanted to, to beat up, everybody so it was it was 
it was tough, but I really enjoyed it. I, and I didn't have any fear and I probably should have. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you're right, but that's, that's, that answers the question right there. That's how you endured it is, is through no fear and, and probably just by sheer love of the game, right. And having that drive and, I mean, you amassed over 1,300 penalty minutes in the American Hockey League. Uh, a lot of them, like you said, you fought quite a bit. You played a really hard game. Um, how is your How is your noggin? How is the concussions? Um, I know things have changed. Maybe you guys didn't talk too much about it. But looking back now with what you know, um, how many do you figure you had? Um, do you struggle today? Are you worried about the future? Uh, good, good question. And I and I. I had I wasn't diagnosed with any concussions, but I think I would have had you know a half a dozen where you know, and probably more. But you you you, you know the ones where you you see the the birds and you and you see black, you know you know looking back that those were some yeah. some form of a concussion. And you know when you when I'm not going through issues in my life at any, I don't feel I don't feel bad. I, I but I do. I feel like I don't handle downs as good as I would if I didn't have maybe, I don't know. I don't know what, what comes first or what goes, goes with it, but I, I do. Do I worry about older, getting older and seeing what other players are going through? Yeah. I worry about it. Do I think that it could happen again? I don't think much is going to happen to me bad. It does, but I don't think that it will. So I, I, that's right. I don't, I don't worry about it, but I do understand and appreciate the struggles a lot of players do have that that have had concussions. I've got good friends that you know couldn't leave their room for 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 years because two years because they all they wanted to do was be in the dark. So I do appreciate it. I haven't gone through a really dark spell that I could blame on concussions. So I don't, I don't, I don't totally understand it, but I appreciate it. That's right, and. I think, you know, obviously like now there's just more awareness with, with everything because the access to, to communication is so easy to access information is so much easier. And, you know, just to be able to talk about things, everyone's able to have their opinion and interact with each other so easily. And I, you know, I think that's great in a lot of ways, but I hear you said like, it's funny because, you know, you're sitting there, you're like, oh, when I was, I got scared at 35 a little bit about being like knocked out and you said you were scared because you didn't want to get knocked out in front of the fans. Not that you were scared to knock out because you're going to hurt your brain. No, not at all. I, you know, I, and I, I, and I probably should have, but that, that didn't. I know. Right. And that's the thing though, right? That's how hockey players think. I was the same way. Right. We weren't, we don't think that way. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know. So for me and, with the, and I never going playing and, and seeing all these head injuries. Cause I know I've seen a lot of injuries, but I've never one time seen a player beg a team not to play. It's, it, yeah. it's changing. The players wanted to play hurt. I don't know if it was because they knew that they could lose their job, whatnot, and, 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 and use it against them later on, which it, it, it probably did in, in situations and, and it still probably does now, but there's, there's an avenue and a culture's change where it's okay to say, you know what? I I don't feel good. I'm not playing, and it it's okay to feel that way, and and you don't get abused and by your coach in front of all the players calling you a pussy for not playing and and whatnot, which which happened, and 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 it put a lot of pressure on you to play. But I never, not one time, did a team say you're playing when the yeah. not because they we didn't 
we didn't do it. We didn't say we didn't want to play. We we came back early. We we always came back early because we wanted to play and we wanted to get in the lineup. And we knew that if we didn't, our job could be taken when we got got back. So it it, it, it it's a two way street, and the game has changed for the for the better. And just like all health issues in, in, are changing every year in, in hockey and not in hockey for the better. And I think that the, one of it is the communication that 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 players. Are, are having and sticking up for the, the new age player that allowing them to be not playing hurt, not playing with a headache, not playing with concussion. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, it takes, you know, there's a lot of people speaking out too. And it's great because we're seeing a lot of guys in the NHL speaking out about different issues that they're having. And I think that to me has a huge impact because that really shows like you, you mentioned you had, um, very few to look to in PEI. Uh, but when you did, it was like, holy shit, uh, you can really relate to that guy. And that really allowed you to identify, right? So it's like, hey, now maybe I can make it to the NHL. So I think if kids who have that dream of playing in the NHL can see an NHL guy, like Robin Leonard, for example, came out and spoke about how he's dealing with mental health issues. And for a young goalie that sees that, that may be struggling at 13, 14, that could have a huge impact. Uh, I've never mentioned this, but a friend of mine growing up, uh, Peter Gordon, actually I printed his name. I'm going to put it on one of these hoodies, actually. Um, he, he committed suicide. He was uh, four or five years older than me, but he was always a street hockey goalie growing up, always a AAA goalie. He moved away to another city. And about six months after he moved away, he committed suicide. My dad actually coached him. Um, but, you know, so... I think of him um, going through things and nobody knew um, this is going back in the early 2000s. And, and then this young man takes his life. So for, for people like Leonard to step up um, and, and different people. In, yeah. I, I, not only, not only is it brave for him to stand up, but it's also him rejuvenating his career and, and, and bringing it to a, to another level even now. And, and, and the team's giving him another chance yeah. It also shows that there isn't there, you're not going to be held against you if you if you do come out and and you do say that you know I I I'm lost I need help help me out your your career is not going to be over there's I think that not only one one part of it is he came out and he's a role model for other players to say you know what I'm I'm hurting I need help I have addictions or or, or whatever but the other side of it is team's taking a chance on them <laughs> and it shows the kids that that your career's not over if you do come out and, and and admit that you need help yeah and i you know another great example is bobby ryan who came out after that alcohol abuse and came back that first game and had a hat trick like holy shit was that inspiring um for a guy like me uh to watch i think it was inspiring for everybody but certainly the hockey players dealing with addiction and i, I really hope him wish him all the best in in detroit now we actually have his uh skates at the one-stop skate shop like they're not gate they're not used because he got i guess he got moved to the new team and they left him but we got stuff out of the center's dressing room so it's kind of cool but yeah it's a great point um you know you look at guys like robin leonard colin wilson also it's as soon as they start to address these issues and they're getting the help that they need, their performance actually went up too. So there's something to be said about, you know, speaking out and saying, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not okay right now. And maybe I do need some help. And then you look at the proof is in the pudding. So 
Um, I think, you know what? I, I think, I, I don't know. I'm a believer that a lot of it's based on our anxiety that we had that no one knew what, no, when I was growing up or when I turned pro, no one talked about anxiety. No one talked about uh, the stress, which is anxiety. And, and now, you know, my 12 year old and 16 year old boy know exactly when they're getting a little bit of anxiety. They know how they're, they're going to deal with it. We didn't know. We, you know, I, I, I'd get some anxiety about a fight next night and I'd be like, I need a beer and I'd go and have two beer and the anxiety would go away and I'd be like, God, that feels good. I need, you know, now I need every time I get this anxiety and now I need one or two beer and, and, you know, you, you didn't have to be drunk, but you, you had one or two beer that took the edge off because you didn't know what your, what feelings were. No one talked about it. So I think the awareness of anxiety and, and, the, and the, the way the culture uses has changed to, to anxiety and knows what it is. I think now that the kids can deal with it in a different way than, than medicating themselves. Yeah. And it's, that's such a great point. I mean, there's such a common theme from everyone I talk to and myself, my, I had the same experiences, especially when, you know, you, you're known to fight a little bit, or if you've, you know, fought a guy and, and you're playing him again and you know, there's an unsettled score there and uh, it's sleepless nights. And I didn't really know, like, I knew what anxiety was. I heard people talk about it, but I don't have anxiety. Not me. Like, no way, right? But, of course, that's what it was. But, again, I didn't really know what it was. And, of course, I wasn't even going to look to say, hey, maybe I do have anxiety because it was, like, it was looked at as, like, almost like a bad thing, right? But the thing is, is, like, most people, especially in the hockey world before a game, are experiencing some form of anxiety, right? So it's it's kind of important. What, uh, what about now, uh, your transition out of hockey? How has it been? Because you went over to, to Europe, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that, but we can circle back to that maybe. But I want to talk about your transition out of hockey and how it was for you dealing with – I guess you're not really out of hockey because you're still playing, but you're playing at a little bit different capacity. They're senior men's and I know you're working, uh, but are you missing the camaraderie? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, there's a big, there's a big issue transition out of hockey. It's um, even talking to ex teammates and, and, and guys that finished before I did because I had to reach out to, to find out why, why I feel this way. And is it going to go away? But coming out of hockey, knowing that, you know, you get the high, you get a plane, you, you're, you're like the star in the city or, or, or whatnot. And, and people look up to you and then bang, you don't play anymore. And no one knows who you are and you're, you're ordinary Joe again. It's, it's a, it's a transition that's, that's hard. And, and, and that, and I was fortunate enough that it took me four or five years of contemplating and still getting the opportunity to go back and play. So I was prepared and then I'd go back in January and play. So it was kind of, it was a kind of a step process where it wasn't all of a sudden where some guys get it, go to bed one night and wake up the next day and they know their career is over. So it was kind of a process, but I did reach out to guys, you know, I, I, I went into, I'll, I'll, I, I know he doesn't mind. I reached out to Brendan Shanahan and, and I said, can you, uh, can, can, can we have a half hour talk about transitioning out of the game and, and what, what you did to, to help, help with you. And, and the, the thing that caught me the, the most is he said, you know what? He said, it's normal. Gretzky, Gretzky felt the same way. He, 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 you know, he, he was financially secure. He had the best thing. And but when he, when he, when he left the game, he was missing something. So that kind of put it in perspective that it's not 
just the the minor league dummies that are that are feeling this way that everyone feels it because you are leaving a game that you love and we all loved it or you wouldn't have played so long so it's it's tough and there's not many people that you can lean on to that understand i went to a psychologist that went there at one time and he said i said you know i don't i don't want to feel this way and he said well just go back and play i said i felt just like saying to myself i can't go back and play i'm, I'm done like i just can't go back and play there's you, you can't recreate professional hockey if you can't play professional hockey so it's yeah i go in and, and i play senior and i love it I, and i play rec hockey with no refs and 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 i love it and but it's still it gives you that a little bit of of the adrenaline but not all of it so there is definitely and i and i do see a lot of my friends and a lot of my teammates struggling with the transition and and i was lucky enough to 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 get some education when I was playing in Europe and get my MBA to put me in a better position to, to find a, a, a better job. So it's, it's good that way. But the, the biggest thing that I feel that people need to do when they are leaving the game is reach out to guys that have gone through it, reach out to guys that are going through it and, and compare and talk because it's, it's normal to feel that it's, it's, it's shitty. It's a shitty and it goes on and on and on and on because you're, it's like a, a drug. You're trying to find that first high. You're trying to find something to do that's going to recreate what you felt playing pro hockey. And, and you can't, you're never going to find it. So it's, 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 you're, you're searching, 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 and you're never finding it. So it's, you got to come to the realization that you have to find something that you'll be at least happy with, but you can't, you can't try to compare and, and, and make it equal. Yeah, it's there's there's nothing um, in my life that has been able to to recreate that special feeling as well. And I've talked about it with with pretty much every former uh, player right down to guys coming out of uh, even guys that just finished playing uh, major midget and never play a game of junior. But they played since they were five years old, you know, and, and now they still they don't have that that team that's something to look forward to you know even if it's uh it's a reason to not maybe drink on a friday night because you got to play on a saturday morning or whatever it just it opens up so many more doors um for that devil to creep in um and and i think for a lot of guys they don't know what to do with their time um that's great man proud of you that you got your your mba over there because um, a lot of guys, as we know, sit around and don't really do much in between games and practices. At least that was my experience. There's a couple guys like Chris Lawrence. I know did some education over there as well when he was uh, playing, I think, in the same team you did, Nottingham, but different year. I played, I played with Larry. I like, he's, he's a friend. I like, I like Larry. Okay, Larry's your Larry's your buddy. He was on the show, so he um, he actually played with, uh, with Matthew Lazinski, who's on the shirt here um in the Sioux and like where they were drafted together uh Larry was a first rounder and and Lizinski was a second rounder to the Sioux and uh, me and Larry actually we were roommates at the Tampa Bay Lightning Prospects camp that you read that article on Sportsnet well he was my roommate there for the 10 days and then uh we were down in Norfolk together so he came on the show on episode 24 to talk Matthew Lizinski he's gonna be back on again but what a great guy he is shout out to Chris Lawrence yeah no I we we, we I played with him and we became pretty good friends. You know, we have a lot of the same interests and, and then, you know, he's a, uh, he's a guy that loves life. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's such a good guy. <laughs> Something else that guy, he was, uh, when I met him, uh, he just seemed a lot older 
than what we were. Like he was all because he'd played the year before in the American League, right? So he was all done up in his nice suit. Like we had suits on, but he just looked like a step above all of us at that camp. I don't know. I just felt like he was a little bit like more professional and and carried. We'll get too big. I know, I know. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Maybe we should just delete this episode. Delete. No. But uh, you know, so what you know, what would your suggestion to guys be then? Like if you're over in Europe. Uh, playing right now, and I know COVID, let's just pretend COVID's not happening. Let's say a guy's over there in Europe winding down his career. Um, you know, you you should be, I feel like you really need to be telling guys like, hey, utilize that. Like, because look, you're in a pretty good water, you not? Yeah, you know, it's 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 going well. I can't complain. And and but I, I do I do I do regret not taking courses at the university level as I was playing pro, even if it's one a summer or a correspondence one a year. Like I do regret, I was, you know, you you think at that time you're gonna play forever. And uh, and it, it obviously isn't that way. And I think that if we prepare ourselves a little bit better and I don't know if it starts, you know, everyone, everyone says, oh yeah, you know, you play junior and, and they're, they're, they're giving you this information and that information, but are they really, are they really giving you what, what you really need? Like in high school, are they, without hockey, are they giving you life skills that you need later on? Not 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 a lot you don't need math and you don't need john you know what i mean there's different things so so i think that there's more that i think that leagues can do especially at a younger age to 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 almost give a template of what a what a hockey player should do or how long a, a life that uh, a hockey player usually does have which is is not very long and to not not to throw all your eggs in one basket is is something that i would do and i would look into educating the the junior kids in a in a way that you know that they might not want to hear and want to, you know, tough love and and say, you know what, one is is going to make a living at the game. Maybe. Yeah. That's a great point. That's another thing we've talked about on the show too, is, is is another part of the puck sport foundation is that educate. It's a big, it's the whole piece is education. And that's a, that's a part we've talked about in some of the meetings is, is how do we get it out there so that we can, you know, get to these kids that are playing major junior so that they're utilizing their time uh, away from the rink. Cause I know I wasted a lot of time in swift current, just waiting for practices, waiting uh, to go checking at the rink, sitting around playing video games, uh, chasing girls, whatever the case we were doing. I remember, uh, I remember playing four or five hours of goal and tea every night. So it was like, you're just, yeah. wait, you're just wasting the clock just before to go to bed, to get up, to go to practice. So it's exactly if they're educated to know that at least do something that, that keeps you going, that, that, that it's key. And I think it takes education at the junior level. Yeah. And what about like, are you enjoy, like, do, you must enjoy working. I mean, it's not hockey, but was that something that you, you knew that you were going to do? Um, or is that something that fell into your lap later? Well, I always, I, you know, I, I, I was always interested in the financial industry. My brother's in it in the States. And, you know, I, I, I took a couple courses in economics and the Canadian securities course. when I was young just to, because I wanted to, to understand money and, and I, and I really, really enjoyed it. And, and after hockey, I did have the opportunity. I have, I have a friend who's my uh, division director at IG wealth management and, and he gave me an opportunity, but I really enjoy helping people. You know, he, he, I don't like bugging them every day but you know when you when you can put a family in a path where their their financial future isn't a stress to them and you can put them knowing that they're going to be in a good place 
you know, it, 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 it's fulfilling for me now, you know, I get, absolutely. Yeah. To, to help families know that they're not going to have to stress when they're retired is something that really I get excited about. That's a, yeah, no kidding. And I think that's another thing that we could be talking to these junior players about is planning for their future. Like whether it's to do with hockey or not, because I had no idea really about credit cards and credit and all of that. I remember I got my first credit card while I was in Swift Current at 19. I just applied online, just, oh, yeah, yeah, I play for the Swift Current Broncos. Okay, I totally lied about how much money I made. Yep, they sent me a credit card for $10,000. I had that thing racked in like four months, 10 grand. My poor grandma had to pay it off. And uh, this was like, obviously, when I was like 18, 19, but I had no idea, right? Like it, it, you know, she paid it off after it affected my credit. I had no idea, right? So, you know, there's a there's a big piece there. And I think, you know, as a former professional hockey player with with the, you know, the education you have in your job, I think that's something that, you know, could be looked into for sure. You know what I mean? I know there's agents and stuff, but they don't really educate the player. They just do what they want to do and tell you what they're doing, right? The play, uh, from my experience, they don't really, they're not really about understanding, right? They, it's like the bare minimum information that you, they're going to disperse to you. Yeah, and, it, and you're right. And they, the player just says, you know, I'm, I'm being taken care of. How are you being taken care of? No clue. Like no clue, no clue. But they're being taken care of. Who knows if it's you know? That's why you hear the horror stories in in the game. But I do think that at the at the NHL level, I do think that the the Players Association, you know, run by Glenn Healy, is doing a is yeah. doing a job. It's it's it it it's playing catch up because I think that they realize and they were not part of the the association at that time, but I think that they know that there's a, there's a, an awareness. I think they've done a really, really good job with the mental health and, 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 and allowed that to, to evolve into something that's big. And I think now they realize that there's, there's other areas of, of ex players lives that they need to look after. And I think that Glenn's leadership is he's doing really well. Yeah, he is. He's doing, he's done a fantastic job. Uh, I don't know him personally, but from everybody that I've spoke to, they've, they've said nothing but great things in the, the few things I've seen that he's doing. seems like he's uh, definitely opening some doors that maybe wouldn't uh, have been opened by some of the other guys. And that's all I'll say about that. And we'll, we'll leave it to, to that for another day. But I want to get to some questions because this is something I always forget to do. And the program that I use doesn't show me all the questions that are coming in. So I got to pull my phone out because I always feel bad that um, I'm missing out uh, some because people have questions. But there are a couple questions that I can see coming in. Um, we'll get uh, we'll get to the top here. We have uh, well, this is just a comment saying happy birthday to Hadley from David. Uh, Matt Caputo says, keep your head up. You're making big changes now. Um, Will McIntyre, absolutely awesome stuff, was a talking part of practice last night. He's talking about mental health. Uh, Eddie Lindwall, Brady, what's up? And Eddie, I'm sorry um, that you've lost another friend to addiction. Uh, You and I have spoken and the numbers are... It's extremely troubling. If anyone watched the last podcast, I did a tribute to Mitch Fadden. Um, and I'm going to play the video at the end, at the end of the podcast, because the video wasn't done quite, uh, or I couldn't figure out how to get into the program. But, you know, former AHL hockey player who we lost to an overdose, and there's so many. Uh, so, Eddie, I'm sorry. 
Um, anyone that's struggling with addiction, hang in there, reach out, get help now, uh, get help now. It's, it's okay. If you're not okay, it's not okay. If you're not reaching out for help, Matt Talley says, Holy crap, Linger. I think he's a big Kansas city fan that Matt. Yeah. Talley. He, yeah. He, he was, he was in Kansas city when I was there as a, as a fan and he's, uh, he's followed my career. There we, have, we have somebody in Argentina that says salute from Argentina. Worldwide, uh, you're worldwide. Worldwide, Linger. Look at that. We got Brent. Uh, Chris Bishop says tough team in Kingston, 94, 95. Were you guys tough or what? Yeah, you know, we had we we had four or five guys that loved to do <laughs> dirty work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do today's team sports psychologists address anxiety and other mental health issues? David Carlson, who's one of my biggest supporters. I can't comment on that because I'll say from my experience, I did see a sports psychologist in Swift Current, who was great. And again, in Norfolk. And when I was with Tampa, who is Max Offenberger, who's unbelievable. However, um, there's nobody working for the team that I've ever experienced working for the team that will ever approach you. Uh, that's not true. The trainers, I should say. But David why, or um, Linger, why don't you take this one? It 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 really has evolved into something that is. It, there's, it's almost like a fifth, sixth coach that that it's it's part of the it's part of the organization now, and it's uh, there's there's avenues, and every player knows if if they're not around the team, they know every player knows how to get a hold of them, and and the it can be confidential between the player and the, and the, and the doctor. So there, there are avenues that protect, protect the player. And, and sometimes the player wants the team to know and, and, and that's fine too, but I, I, it has evolved into something. There's, there's room for growth and there's room to get better, but I think it's in the right direction. Yeah. And well, that's always, you know, it's, that's, that's a positive thing to hear. That's what I like to hear. And, and I, Again, I, I always think that there there can be do, there they could be doing more. Um, I worry what my concern is, Linger, uh, with some of the some of the leagues, and I won't say which, and and that especially we're talking junior players. Um, I worry, and I don't know for sure. This is just my worry, and I need to do my research before I actually say yes or no. Um, but my worry is that maybe some of their protocols league wide or, or more or less smoke and mirrors. Um, and I think, yes, there's, there's been improvement, but we still need to be, be doing a lot more. And the reason why I bring this up is I don't know if you, you remember the Terry Trafford situation, but, uh, he was the kid who, who, uh, committed suicide after from, from Saginaw. Right. And so this is something that really doesn't sit well with me. And uh, I'm trying to figure out the best way to go about it because I'm not trying to roast anybody, one person or one team. It's all about educating. And so that this never, ever has to happen again. Right. Um, But to me, there needs to be, if, if there's a situation like that, there needs to be a protocol in place where players getting released um, because that can be emotional uh, for a player, uh, wherever that is. I know when I, whenever the first time I think I was cut, I wanted to kill myself. I wanted, I, I didn't know what that, what that felt like. I never got cut from a team my whole life till I got to, you know, pro or whatever. And it's like, yeah, you, somebody telling you, you're not good enough. It's like, what? Right. Yeah, no, it's for sure. You know, there, it, it, it's got, there's room for improvement, but it's really, you know, there's a lot 
there's a lot of pressure put on a on a on a young kid in the hockey world to to succeed. And if the avenues need to be to be, you know, kids without hockey have have troubles. And 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 it's 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 a situation where we all need to to improve and grow and and, and keep keep learning from experiences. And and I think that the, the the hockey world is 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 moving in the right direction. Yeah, and and that's that's a good point. And I feel like now more than ever, the team, the teams, the leagues, they're not really left with much of a choice but to because everybody's talking about it. And and I think now, especially with COVID nineteen, there's a lot of people struggling. Um, the numbers for suicide and overdoses are up right across the globe uh, since this COVID nineteen uh, pandemic started. Uh, so you know. M- maybe now more than ever, uh, you know, especially in the world is, this is needed to, to be talked about. And, you know, I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, I, I think we'll probably end up doing this again and I'd love to be able to, to lean on you a little bit. Cause I know nothing about money and, um, I'm not the guy to, to take care of the puck support foundation at all. I just want to be in the trenches helping people. So maybe we could talk, maybe, you know, some people that can, that can help steer us in the right direction. Um, but is there anything else that, that you want to add? I mean, you had such a great career. I guess there's one more question for me is what's next for you, Linger? Are you ever going to stop playing hockey? You know, the, hockey, meaning, uh, putting my skates on and going out and playing with my buddies. I, you know, I mean, like senior men's is pretty competitive, full contact hockey. Like that's a step down from pro. That's, that's still real hockey, man. Or that's, you know, I, I first started four years ago with that leg and it's, it's, it's way better. The, the guys are getting younger coming out of hockey and realizing that, but still want to play. And it's an avenue where they still can play and, they, and it's really skilled. And, you know, and until I, until I get cut, I'm going to keep playing. <laughs> man i gotta i'd love to to come down and watch maybe one of those games because i only i'll be honest i actually think you know what i just remember did you play on tv in like 2017 in the finals with those guys no i i wasn't i, I wasn't but stony creek did yeah okay i thought i thought hamilton was was maybe on TV one time. I'm sure I watched you on TV while I was actually behind bars. Like, I'm not kidding. There was one. They they did film some games. So you probably, you might've not sure. Cause there was an ex NHL or in, in I'm, I'm sure, man, I'm sure maybe it was you or, or man, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty inspiring to see you at 45 years old, still out there playing really competitive hockey and doing well, because I took 10 years off and I just recently, uh, got back on the ice and I'm playing senior men's up here with the Maxwell Mustangs in this new league. Um, and I'll tell you what, I feel a hundred years old and I'm 12 years younger than you. So kudos to you, man. You're still killing it. Keep it up for as long as you can, man. No, oh, yeah, no, I, I love playing and, and it, it, you know, even though it's, it's senior, it's still good. And, and it gets you, you know, that the dressing room's still the dressing room and you still get to joke around with the buddies and, you know that's the that's the part that I think a lot of guys miss is the the, the camaraderie in the in the yep. room. Yep, that's right. Okay, Linger, I'll let you go. You can get back to uh, to managing managing people's wealth. Yeah, and Sunday. Listen, listen, man. I'm hey, I'm super proud of you because it's uh, it's nice to see somebody doing so well outside of the hockey world. You know what I mean? Doing like because the, there's been a. <laughs> 
It's not been the case from the majority of the guys that I've talked to, not just through this podcast, but I'd speak to even more guys on a personal level off the podcast. And a lot of these guys that, you know, removed from the NHL in the last five to 10 years um, and some big name guys that are like, you know, they're got lots of money and they're still, it's, it's tough out there. So, you know, c- good for you, man. Keep up the good work. And uh, I'm sure yeah. I'm sure that what you're doing, even though outside of the hockey community, is going to have a big impact in the hockey community. And same, same with you. The, the things you're doing are are, are positive and, and going to help people, and and that's really the main thing is is helping the next, the next, whatever the next is helping. That's right. That's right. And uh, I heard you talk about if you could mix the two boys together, you could you could have one hell of a player. How goes that? Uh, how goes the process with the boys? Are they evening? I'm, I'm, out trying, to, I'm trying to melt them together now. It's, it's not working real good, but <laughs> no, they're they're they they're they they really enjoy it, and the, the smiles on their face when they're playing is is something that you know you you remember as a kid growing up because it's uh, you see the smiles and and you see so many kids that don't smile. So my kids are smiling and loving it, and so that's that's the main thing. That's awesome, Linger. Keep up the great work, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. That's retired, semi-retired, I guess, professional hockey player. We didn't even talk about it. Do you guys know that he played in the coast, like, not that long ago for the Brampton Beast? Like, the East Coast Hockey League. In like, we're talking, like, I think it was, like, 2016, 2017, or, or 15, maybe even 18. Do you guys have any idea that those guys are, like, mostly like 23 24 years old and like that is a hard hard league to play in uh and he was playing in it i guess in his 40s like close to i wish i'm gonna have to ask him but kudos to him that's that's pretty awesome so you know i wish i i wish i had kept playing all those years and whatever but hey i'm back on the ice now and that's all that matters um Thanks, Linger. I, that was awesome. I, I truly appreciate it. you doing this. It was great having him on. And uh, if you guys watched live, thank you so much for spending your Sunday afternoon with me and Linger. I truly appreciate it. Um, I always say, like, you know, speak out and, and ask for help and you know, I do, and I, I do counseling, and I do the podcast, and I talk to a lot of people, um, but I'll remind everybody, like, I don't have this figured out by any means. Um, I do my best every single day for, for myself and my family, um, and for those that that want to be a part of my life, that reach out, that need help, and I do my best to, to share what's in my heart on this podcast. And I only speak the truth. What's, what's the truth for me and what I've experienced. Um, and I'm seriously, I'm doing my absolute best. I am trying so hard. And sometimes, sometimes it just doesn't feel good enough. Um, I'm missing my family like crazy. Um, Taylor and the kids, it's Hadley's birthday and I'm not there. And I've missed so many of my kids' birthdays over the past decade. I guess not decade because I was with them for their first five and six, but 
I don't want to miss anything else. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I, I just put my head down and work because I want to build a life for myself and for my family because I haven't had a house. I haven't had a, a roof over my head that's been my own ever in my adult life other than when I was like playing hockey and for maybe like a couple months here. So I'm longing for that. I am struggling because I'm longing for that. But there is no going back. There is simply no going back ever. Just can't. <laughs> And I know that all of this, all of the pain that I've gone through from childhood, through addiction, all of it, there is no doubt in my mind, absolutely no doubt in my mind that it will all be worth it. Anyways, time to wrap this up. If anybody wants puck support clothing, guys, you got to email us team at pucksupport.com. If you see something that you like, let us know which one and we'll get back to you with the availability and when it will be shipped out with the cost. Um, normal just puck support hoodies are $34.99 with the message is $39.99. Um, long sleeves, I think are 25 bucks. T-shirts are 20 bucks. Um, for now we're going to work on getting like, actually like really, really, really high end quality hoodies. Eventually like, these are good, but I'm talking like, I'd like that, like the Under Armour, like, you know, but we'll get there. Thank you guys. If you're struggling, please, please reach out. Made a shirt today that said suicide prevention squad. No more suicides, no more overdoses in the hockey community if I can do anything about it. As soon as COVID lifts, I'm going to be all over the place with the crew, spreading the message of awareness of mental health and addiction all across Canada. And as soon as I can be in the States, all across the U.S. of A. If you want to get involved, please, please, please get involved. We need your help. Thanks, guys. Thanks for supporting us all. Please make sure you follow me on Instagram at hockey to heroin. That's at hockey, the number two heroin. If you want to follow the Puck Support Foundation at Puck Support, we actually have a challenge going right on right now uh, to give away some Puck Support swag. So what it is, is it's going on until December 17th. December 17th will mark three years that we lost Matthew Lazinski to overdose. Matthew Lazinski is the inspiration for the Puck Support Foundation. Uh, I am so grateful that I met Matt and, and heard the story of Matthew Luzinski so that we can honor him and build this organization so that we could save lives in his name and all of our fallen brothers and sisters' names. And that's what it's all about. So the challenge is this. Every single day, starting today until December 17th, write out a list of things you're grateful for. Take a picture of it, post it on Instagram, tag at tag at puck support and tag three of your friends whoever does that the most 
and the best in detail, like takes the most time and the most thought and the most days consistent, you're going to win a prize. We'll give away a few prizes. Uh, we keep track um, and you got to post on Instagram your list of things you're grateful for. Uh, every single day could be in the morning, could be at night, but you have 24 hours every single day to post your list. And then tag at Pock Support and tag three different friends every single day. December 17th, we will reveal the winners. Thank you guys for watching. If you're listening, please subscribe. And if you have time, rate and review. I know it takes an extra second, but it means the world to me. And please share this with your friends if you enjoyed it. If you didn't, then don't. If you don't like it, I don't want you to waste your time. Life is precious. Time is precious. If you don't like what I'm saying, don't watch me. Go out there and enjoy your life. Happy birthday, Hadley Grace. Thanks for watching, guys. Remember, have a great day if you so choose.